Hello, everyone. Welcome to the C. Hilton Show. I don't know about you, but um, I have noticed that I'm spending more and more of my time reading articles on California Globe. The California Globe um, is an outlet that you should be familiar with because we've featured um, uh, stories from there and we've featured the editor-in-chief, Katie Grimes, um, many times before on this show. And I'm just noticing that I'm reading more stuff. Um, from them. And in fact, we've got two really interesting stories that caught my eye from the California Globe coming up with the reporters who, who wrote those stories. One is about the EDD scandal. Um, Julie Sue, who's up for Labour Secretary in the Biden administration, the absolute massive scandal. We know all about that. We've talked about it. Actually, I learned some new things from this uh, story in California Globe. Um, we'll be hearing from the reporter who, who dug into that. And another one on really, a really interesting one on corruption involving Gavin Newsom in the cannabis industry. Again, a really interesting story. Hadn't heard of it at all. It was in California Globe. We have the reporter who uh, dug into that and did the investigation. She's coming up in a moment. But before that, um, I would like to bring in the aforementioned Katie Grimes, editor-in-chief. Um, Katie, we've, we've, we've spoken before about specific stories, but I just wanted to talk to you about, you're obviously doing something um, really great with the California Globe. We always have been, but I don't know. To me, it feels like you're on a roll. And I'm just finding myself using you as a resource more than before. Um, and so I just wanted to talk to you about that and, the, and, and how it's going and uh, your vision for the future. Well, thank you, Steve. And this is a subject, it is uh, very near and dear to my heart these days. Um, I started very, very early with the California Globe in the end of 2018. So if mm -hmm. you're seeing more and more of our work now, that's a very good thing because we've been working hard to build it, get more writers, contributors, uh, and, and that part's working really well. Um, one of the things I wanted to make sure we became though is as a resource for television news, for radio news, and that does seem to be happening. Um, even in the morning when I listen to one of my favorite uh, radio talk shows, uh, oftentimes if I'm hearing the top of the hour news, I go, hey, I think I wrote that. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, they'll mention something they saw on the Globe. So it is becoming an, an important resource. And what's behind that? Have you got more people? Um, because I, I think it would just be interesting to know what, what's the operation, you, it, you know, because I, I, I get the sense that you're, you know, you're really the heart of it. Um, oh. but, but there are more people with their sort of bylines on the reports. What's the, how's it sort of, how are you growing? Well, uh, thank you. We do, um, I am kind of the glue. I certainly yeah. do a lot of writing and researching on my own, but we do have a bevy of amazing contributors. And again, that has grown over time. The two that you'll, you've, you'll be uh, talking to next. Um, we have, uh, you know, some folks that also write for other publications that are mm -hmm. you know, really kind of big and important. But I think what's happening and one of the reasons that we are getting more notice is the California Globe was created to cover state house politics. And that is one of the things that newspapers more and more have been pulling away from. Mm -hmm. They may have some cub reporter, you know, covering you know, various things at the state capitol anymore, but not the in-depth reporting that they used to have. And so I think that's where we come in. The other thing that we do is we are unafraid to tackle the stories that, uh, frankly, the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about. Um, there, and you and I know that there are plenty of stories that they deliberately ignore or just kind of pretend, uh, you know, nothing to see here, folks. And we will cover those. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other thing is, 
we do kind of, we get painted as some sort of a, you know, right wing conservative flame throwing news outlet. Nothing could be further from the truth. I do not know the political affiliations of our writers and our contributors. Mm -hmm. We have a staff reporter. I have no idea what his political ideology is. And I will take articles from just about anywhere. But I think because we are doing the hard work and oftentimes the uncomfortable work of covering this Democrat supermajority in California's capital, it might seem like all we ever do is pick on Democrats, but that's yeah. who's running absolutely everything right now. Exactly. I mean, you, that's exactly the point. You know, like when you say, and I often say that, you know, I try not to be too partisan, you know, right. um, but when they're running everything, you know, the job of holding government accountable, which is absolutely at the heart of any democratic republic um, that where citizens should be in control, holding exactly. the powerful accountable is absolutely vital. When mm -hmm. the people with the power are all from one party, then of course it's going to come across as being, um, you know, critical of, of Democrats. There's a lot to be critical of, frankly, and, and, and the whole country is paying attention to that. And as you say, a lot of the stories are coming from you. Um, how do, do you, so are you, a, um, like, do you, do you get uh, submissions or do you kind of find a topic there? Well, I'm really interested in that. I'm going to put someone on that or find someone who's been reporting on this topic. How does it, what's the sort of process? We do all of that. Um, mm -hmm. Our contributors will often pitch me an idea. And I think uh, 99 out of 100 times I say, yes, that's awesome. I couldn't get to it myself. Thank you. Um, right. We also, you know, there are times where I say this really needs some attention. Do you think you can, you know, cover this to our reporter? Um, but yeah, it's our contributors are really savvy, sophisticated people, and they are paying very close attention to what's happening in the state. And I am so grateful to have their talent and their their watchdog instincts. Yeah, watchdog. That's a great word. Exactly. That's, and that's exactly what we right. Are trying, yeah, that is what we try to do here. We want to make sure that we are watchdogging what's happening at the state capitol with these politicians. And the whole goal is to inform the public, because I think our public needs a lot more information if we're ever going to change the minds and hearts of people in this state when it comes to voting. Yeah. And and have you got um, I mean, one of the things that is very striking about a lot of the pieces that I read, they're very factual. Actually, there's a lot of information. You can learn a lot. They're presented in a very clear way. Uh, but there's a lot of really good information. They're fact-based. Um, so is that a, I'm, and I'm just sort of thinking, you know, that that's a lot of work and yes. sort of checking all that is a lot of work. So I just wonder how you, you know, think about that in terms of accuracy, because these aren't really, these aren't opinion. I mean, some of them, you do have opinion pieces, don't you? But mostly they're yes. reports, reporting yes. with very heavy on facts. Absolutely. And actually, I first started my journalism career writing opinion pieces, but I am a stickler for making sure that my opinion is fact based. And so that is what we do. We make sure everything is sourced. And if I do get something that I'm not sure about, where did this come from? If I can't easily find it, I will ask the contributor, hey, get me the get me the link to this. We want to make sure our readers who are very sophisticated as well can link and learn more. And what are the, um, I mean, what, what are the themes that you're really seeing in terms of holding this? I love that word watchdog, you know, the, I mean, what, what are the kind of main areas that you're um, finding rich uh, material in? Uh, well, as one of our other contributors is writing about uh, corruption and uh -huh. our state has 
become horrifically corrupt. I do believe there's a shadow government running in California um, in the NGOs and the nonprofits, mm-hmm. uh, many of which our politicians are creating themselves and benefiting from. And I think that's a huge problem because we can't hold those nonprofits and NGOs accountable with public records requests. Once the money leaves the state, we don't know what happens to it. So that's a big problem. And we do dig into those as much as we can. Um, Of course, our budget, (laughs) the state budget is just insane. I go back to, gosh, Schwarzenegger's budget was still under $100 billion. Jerry Brown's first budget was under $100 billion. It was $98 billion. But by the time he left, he was $200 billion. And now we're $330 billion. Yeah. This and we're falling into course. yeah we're falling into more and more disrepair we've got you know roads and bridges that need help yeah. we've got public schools that are failing i mean you look everywhere around this state right now our quality of life stinks because of our public officials and i do lay blame at their feet and we've got no accountability and we've never spent so much money for all this failure it's an amazing point and of course that's right you know you look around and you think well what's got better you know, nothing. And yeah. I mean, I've been here, what is it, 11 years now, 2012, we moved here. Um, and I just think, well, it's all, everything seems to be worse, you know, really, yeah. in, in terms of those basics that you expect to be provided. So the, you know, the roads, I mean, I was driving around the other day, I literally had this thought, it was so, I can't remember where it was. Maybe it was LA, I can't remember if it was here. And I just, I, it suddenly occurred to me, this is so embarrassing. It's just really yeah. embarrassing. This is one of the world's major cities and this road is in a state of total disrepair. Mm-hmm. And it and wasn't exactly. some sort of tiny little site, you know, it was right in the heart of the city. I think it was LA. And um, and you think, what, what what's going on? And everything is filthy. You know, there's the litter everywhere and the public squalor. Never mind, we don't even need to get into the fentanyl and the drugs yeah. and the, all that stuff, right? We know exactly. about that. We talked about it a lot. Just basics, right? Basic yeah. things. And then you get into the water infrastructure that's completely inadequate. So we waste all this amazing amount of water we got this year, which again, we've talked about that. In fact, I think that was the very first story that we talked about. Yes, I think you so. You brought that to my attention. This flushing this water out to the ocean mm-hmm. on and on. And, it, and <laughs> the budget just, as you say, it's trebled and everything's got yeah. worse. Yeah. And nobody talks about, so we have this $330 billion budget. We also have probably a trillion and a half of unfunded pension and long-term health care liability for all of the state employees and government yeah. employees that will be retiring. Um, that's a big problem. And so, I mean, I've been warning about this stuff for a lot of years now. So obviously we haven't become insolvent the way we thought we would, but we are also doubly taxed more than we were in 2010 and don't have anything more to show for it. And there's all these hidden taxes, you know, I, I, one of the issues I've been digging into because I'm for my I've, I've started this organization Golden Together, which is trying to sort of put, put forward positive policy ideas. And, we, and we're going to be working on one in particular, which, you know, we'll have some news about in about a month or so on, on housing. You know, this absolutely sort of disastrous situation on housing where the California dream is completely out of reach for oh, most yeah. people. That idea of coming here, raising a family, buying a, having a good job buy your own home in a safe neighborhood, you know, all of that gone for most people. When you yeah. actually dig into it, a huge amount of the cost, the astronomical cost, like it's, it's a rough four or five times as expensive to build a house here in California as in neighboring states. Like that's Correct. the scale. And mm-hmm. a lot of it is these hidden taxes that, that, that you and, and, and all sorts of weird 
you know, profiteering, there's, you know, the connection charges that utilities charge to sort of connect your house to yeah. the grid if it's built, and you know, et cetera, on and on. It's amazing. The impact fees that are charged, they, they call it impact fees, it's really housing tax. Um, right. It's amazing. Everywhere you look, there are these stealth taxes. We used, to, we used to use the term stealth tax. They talk about mm -hmm. wealth tax. We In England, back in the day when I was working in policy, we talk about stealth taxes. They're all around us. So there's even yes. more money than is, is reported that they're taking That's in. Exactly that you are absolutely correct about that. And that's what's so frustrating and why we try to watchdog these lawmakers, but they're trying to pass more taxes. We're going to have all these ballot initiatives, which are bond measures, which are essentially costing us more money. Taxes again, yeah. Um, and, and just more is never enough, but we keep asking, well, where is it going? Where's it going? That's right. Yeah. Where is it going? Let's talk about the, the nonprofit bit of that, actually, yes. now we're on that. Like homelessness is a huge uh factor there isn't it because you because yeah. so much of the homelessness money that has goes to is is, is channeled through these non-profits and yes. there's just from my cursory understanding of some of that just in la there's a ton of corruption there yes absolutely um i've followed one very closely here in sacramento since that's where i'm located and there's absolutely no accountability they have a massive annual budget the money is funneled through them they clearly skim off the top um, but all it's done is bought us more homeless on the streets here in Sacramento. And I think that tends to be the model for a lot of them or and or they are funneling money to, um, you know, builders and contractors to, mm -hmm. you know, refurbish the, the crappy tiny houses that they built the first time. And now the meth heads have destroyed them. So they need to be refurbished or the hotel rooms and project room key and home key. Um, it's it's pretty much just a big scheme um, that that is not doing anything to help the poor souls lost on the street the way we have offered many, many uh, examples of system uh, programs that work. The one in San Antonio, Haven for Hope is excellent. We have one here in Sacramento, the St. John's Center for Real Change for Women. Um, they're not tough programs to run. They don't take even that much money. And that's when you know this is just a gigantic, almost a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, I mean, there was the one one um, thing I came across in, in in Los Angeles, in Venice, actually, we did a little video documentary of it, was this guy was telling me who's running a, one of those kinds of projects that you describe, an effective one, because it's based mm -hmm. on understanding that for a lot of people living on the streets, even if they, they didn't start out as addicted to drugs, that is a massive right. part of the problem for most of them. But, you know, it's within certainly within months of being on the streets, they're the target of criminal mm -hmm. gangs selling them drugs and making them into drug addicts and pushers. And so you've got to deal with that. And so he, he's yeah. a nonprofit, a real one, as it were, mm -hmm. and he's based on, and his program is based on abstinence, which is illegal under state law. Ridiculous. Right. We talked about that before. Um, anyway, so he's got his thing and he's doing his best. He's not allowed to get any public money because he has an abstinence based program. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that the nonprofits who do get the money, there's a guy that he was talking about who is the CEO of, Two of them, uh, two separate non-profit <laughs> non-profits. He's getting, I think he said like a million dollars each as salary, and the reason that he's on two is so he can take more because there's there is some limit on how much you can be paid as a non-profit getting money. I mean, the whole thing was such a scam. It is. It really is, and we see a lot of that. I mean, some of these nonprofits are so bold now; they'll even put their own bond initiative on the on a local ballot to yeah. try to funnel more money to them. That's right. Isn't that the mansion tax in LA? That was what that was. 
Yes. And we had one here in Sacramento that was going to some fake, uh, you know, children's program, but it was going to the family that was running this children's program instead. <laughs> it's I know, amazing. You can't make this stuff up. I know. It's, it's crazy. It's amazing. It's amazing. So the thing, I think that, that, that you know, overall, let's just sort of look at the big picture with California. It just feels like it's, I mean, some the, the more I dig into individual policy issues, the more you just are amazed that anything happens at all, that we have yes. any kind of jobs are still here, that businesses are still here, that we're still actually, you know, in, in many ways, we're sort of, so, you know, doing, you know, in some senses pretty well, despite all this, you know, the economies, are, mm -hmm. but it's, it's just incredible. And it's all self-inflicted. All these wounds are self-inflicted. None of this is, you know, automatic or predictable or something that you can't do anything about. It's, this is all self-inflicted. Which means it is also repairable. Exactly. Um, we just have, uh, unfortunately, I have, I sound very flippant when I say this, but the stupid people are in charge of everything right now. <laughs> uh, and they're corrupt as well. Um, we need to get, you know, people, real public servants, people who are yes. not in it for themselves back into these public offices. I was just talking with a retired state senator yesterday, as a matter mm -hmm. of fact, we had an hour long conversation. And of course, he has some observations about the state that are just stunning. And he said, even in his time, you know, in the assembly and then the state Senate, he, said he could not, he cannot believe the stuff that is getting passed and signed into law now. Never would have happened even six years ago. Yeah, so it's amazing. It's, 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 yeah, it's so like extreme. And yeah. that's good. So it's two things, isn't it? So it's the 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 politician, this, again, it's the Democrat. They're in charge, right? There's no, you can't, yeah. I mean, what are the majorities in the assemblies? Like, is it, um, uh, what is it, 16, 19, um, yeah. 19s and uh, 61, I guess, for the, yeah. in the assembly. And is it 32-8 in the state Senate? You know, yeah, like, it's, really, it's getting like, worse I'm sorry. Who else are you going to blame, right? Um, and exactly. they, so you've got these mass, but they're all, they're, they're completely the prisoner now of their activists and the unions who fund them. Mm -hmm. And the unions have been taken over by the left, far left activists. So the yes. unions, it's, so it's, that's the sort of, you know, like transmission mechanism, isn't it? You've got the, mm -hmm. the unions fund them. So they do what the unions say and the unions themselves, or at least the political direction of the unions have been taken over by these extremists. Um, and so you get this mad stuff. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, do you, the reparation, I know it's not strictly the legislature. Yeah, I mean, it's in there being, it's being discussed, but the reparations report that was yes. commissioned by the legislature and backed by Newsom. I mean, just that, mm -hmm. that one example I think tells is so powerful. It's, it's sort of ridiculous, but um, so revealing, which is the proposal to yes. legalize public urination. And you just think like, yeah. what, what kind of, <laughs> and it's so mad and you have to sort of trace it. Well, it's because it's totally ideological. It's, well, right. criminal justice reform can't have incarceration. Any kind of, you know, any encounter with criminal justice is bad and racist. And therefore, rather than, you know, have have sort of safe and clean public spaces, we're going to legalize public urination because it's racist to stop it. I mean, it's just yes. insane. And, and that's pretty much what they will tell you. I mean, I hear this garbage in every legislative committee hearing and think, wow, they're just they're just saying stuff out loud that they used to whisper behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, it's just. Well, the thing is, the, as I always say, you know, we, the, the hope lies in the fact that more and more people are realizing how yeah. crazy this is and more and more people are fed up with it, Democrats as well as Republicans and independents, and educating people about what's going on 
is an absolutely fundamental part of the change that we need to see. So that's coming back to California Globe. That's why what yes. you do is so important. Can we just end by, you know, what can people do to help and support what California Globe does? Uh, read it every day. Uh, mm -hmm. We have no paywalls, so people can read it whenever they want, how often they want, um, and then share it with family, friends, neighbors. Because what I tell people when they ask what we do is I say we work our butts off to report the truth. We just, whether I like it or not, I want you to know what is happening inside our state capitol. Uh, and I think it also encourages people then to uh, feel like they want to get involved. I always encourage people to get involved on the local level. Mm -hmm. um, that's where they can have a real impact. And I and the good news is I think we are seeing people fed up, Steve. We saw that with the elections with of parents to school boards. Yeah. I think we're starting to see more and more local involvement with fed up people, which is a good thing. And I think that's why what we're doing and constantly trying to provide all the information they need to um, you know, get out there and, and try to fight for some change. Exactly. Well, I highly recommend it. They should also follow you, by the way, on Twitter. That's I, I find that's a great source for me. Uh, could you just remind everyone your, where, where people can... Do we still call it Twitter or is it X now? I, I don't know. I'm going to call it Twitter. I don't right. care what they say. Okay. Uh, I am Katie Sack Citizen, and that's K-A-T-Y Sack, S-A-C, Citizen, C-I-T-I-Z-E-N on Twitter. Fantastic. And on Facebook, but I get more attention on Twitter these days. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much for, for what you do. Thank you for being with us today. And as, as I mentioned, two fantastic stories from California Globe um, coming up right now. In the meantime, thank you, Katie. See you soon. Thank you, Steve. All right. So the first of the stories that, that we've been talking about, this is one that focuses, as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, on EDD, the fraud, the massive fraud we saw in the Employment uh, was it De Employment Development Department um, during the pandemic, and some new information in this fantastic story from the California Globe by Thomas Buckley. Here is Thomas Buckley. So this scandal uh, is one that we, you know, we've been following for a while here in California, and people refer to the EDD scandal, and they talk about the billions wasted, and Julie Sue, the, uh, the then head of the agency that was uh, presiding over the fiasco, um, up for Labour Secretary in the Biden administration, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we've talked about it before, but when I read your piece, there was, it was just, you know, partly it was, wow, that's amazing, uh, because you had some new information, a new way of, of, of um, looking at this, um, but also just reminded us again uh, just how infuriating this whole thing is. But will you just lay out for us, Thomas, the, um, uh, what's in, in your brilliant piece in California Globe? Well, it... Um... As we all know, that California was hit with a good $40 billion in fraud um, through the pandemic unemployment system that, when you mentioned Julie Sue, claimed, she claimed she had shut the door as soon as, she, soon as she found out about it. She did not. She's been lying about that through the confirmation hearings. Anyway, so it occurred to me that that was all sent out on debit cards. So I asked how many debit cards were sent out, and that was about $9 million. Typically, a debit card would carry initially between ten and fifteen thousand dollars in cash each. Um, and then I noticed that there were only three million unemployed people at the height of the pandemic in California. And I thought to myself, hmm, nine is bigger than three. And I think even in California, school kids are allowed to still learn. Yes, that. even with the new anti-racist <laughs> math, nine is bigger than three. nine is bigger than three. 
So the question began, okay, um, how could the EDD possibly have not noticed that they were generating the unemployment numbers, 3 million. They mm -hmm. sent out 9 million cards. It's one of those things that you just think about, and it's almost the epitome of government incompetence, and the EDD is the epitome of the parody of the pinnacle of the apex of government incompetence. And I think this, the nine is bigger than three, just shows how incredibly awful um, the system was managed and how, obviously, incredibly easy it was to steal from. So they send out these, so that's just to be, in case, you know, people aren't clear, this is how we got these, these astronomical sums wasted. It was actually not checks this, that were sent out. No. Um, it was these debit cards. They were chipless debit cards. Right. That um, when you got them in the mail, yeah. all you had to do was set up your PIN. You didn't have to identify yourself at all. And so in other words, like there was the rapper Newt Bizzle who actually yes. got arrested for rapping about and posting on YouTube, which by the way, that, that song was up for months before the EDD noticed that he was teaching people how to rip off the EDD. Right. He had 95 cards total, some mailed to various addresses in California, some even mailed to his home in Tennessee, um, which is another <laughs> tip-off that you don't mail them out of state. And on those 95 cards, it was $1.2 million in cash. 90 so one person? One person. One person, 95 cards, $1.2 million. Okay. So just let's just take that. So to understand how this was working. So do, what's the pro? Do you, what was the mechanism? Do you apply for these cards or does it automatically get sent out to everyone on their list who's unemployed? Um, well, you had to go through the unemployment application process. Uh -huh. That, however, in California had exactly zero um, identity security system. Right. Systems. It did not check who you were. That's why, you know, Diane, someone registered as Diane Feinstein got a card. Someone registered as Oopley Do. Or the people were just like typing in random numbers and words into Social Security um, fields and name fields, and they were getting sent cards. What you would do is, um, is let, uh, pick an address in near you and if it's and it's not your own and just have or it could be your own and just have card after card after card after card set i mean very early on um people actually in the town that i was mayor of lake elsinore were, were reporting to their state legislators that they were getting dozens of edd cards in the mail made out to other people and then they were also noticing that their mail was being stolen so what you would do is you would hat you would fill out put an address on it it out it would be sent and then you would watch the mailbox in about a week and start stealing the mail to make sure you could get it out and presumably the the, the envelopes were very obviously yeah discernible they were, as they these cards. Were, not only were they obvious in the window you could actually see the social security number used oh my gosh <laughs> and it's amazing i mean look what about the um okay so the, so the so the explanation for the nine million cards sent out versus three million people who actually should have got them according to their own figures mm -hmm. that they had, um, that they produced, is that you had multiple people, you know, of, of, of that nine million, you know, many of the many of them were individuals, fraudsters and others. Well, they're all fraudsters because they're 
yeah. you know, doing fraud, but like some of them may have been professional criminals, as it were, and some just oh, people yeah. looking out for some extra cash. Um, generating were... multiple applications. Oh, yeah. There were addresses, and it's, it's another thing that the EDD did not like notice. If you get uh, 573 applications for unemployment from one specific address, you probably should think to yourself, maybe that's not a really, maybe maybe there aren't 573 people living at 123 Main Street. Um, and, but they just kept mailing them. It's amazing. It's truly amazing. And also, they were mailing them out of state and they were mailing them yeah. uh, to other countries. To other countries? Yeah. Mo the vast majority of the fraud, there were the people, local people taking advantage of it, prisoners, prisoners in California, and actually prisoners all around the country um, were using the same system. Um, prisoners. But, so the address was a jail. No, the prisoner would actually have someone on the outside. On the outside, okay. But there were, but since they were a person with a social security number, they could get. So they kept, or you could buy a social security on the dark uh, number on the dark web for about four dollars. You could buy like a hundred. I mean, look, some so, so things like that. I I think actually that's a really helpful thing you just said because we could draw a line. So we, you know, in our modern world, there is fraud. There's sophisticated fraud. There's ransomware. There's all sorts of things that go on. There's the dark web. I don't know too much about it, but you know, there's kind of you know, and, and the authorities try and chase all that stuff down to the best of their ability, we hope, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and so you're always going to have a bit of that and you try and clamp down on it. But what's so stunning about this is the absolutely kind of brazen fraud here, which just, it's, it's so obvious that it's fraud. You know, like as you just said, there's hundreds of cards in one address, out of state, out of America. Like that's not some brilliant mastermind international crime syndicate. <laughs> no, it, it was crazy. people, but it was it was people um, in a couple of countries, um, specifically um, Moldavia or Moldova, uh, had thousands of cards. Right, but, um, and you also all this stuff people... should have been. It's so crazy that it wasn't detected. And, and the funny thing is that, um, as Sue has claimed, she shut it down as soon as she learned about it. Well, uh -huh. hey, that's absolutely a lie. You know, within about three weeks of yep. the opening, um, you can give people, you know, those first three weeks, everything was panicked, everything was weird. They mm -hmm. they decided to get money out because the government shut down the economy. But within those, within about three weeks, um, soon as the EDD and Sue's office was getting calls from security experts. Now, three, these were three weeks. Within about three weeks, she started mm -hmm. getting calls saying, um, there's a huge problem. Within about five weeks, legislators were telling them that we're getting calls from people who are getting hundreds of debit cards in the mail. What do we do with them? They were literally had to walk them over to the office of EDD, and the and the security guard wouldn't open the door for them. Um, Which could you just be because I just think it's always. Could, do you remember who was doing that? Um, Which legislators? Let's see. There was Jim Patterson who was. Oh getting yeah. The, yeah, that was, you may want to know him. We've oh, had him Jim on Patterson knows very, very, very good. And there was a state okay. senator off from my head. I can't remember. Yeah. So he, these were, these were real, you know, the, the, within five weeks, you say they were literally, yeah. they had the evidence in their hands of this massive scam yeah. going on. And the security They tried company, to take it to the office of the EDD and the security guard said, you can't come in. Yeah. Because of the, because of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> and the security companies that were calling them, they were, they're, the EDD is in California. It's the place where state careers go to die. 
the computers are steam-powered abacuses. It's an absolute mess of a department and has been for decades. And the they had no security system at all. And when the security people called and said, you know, we can sell you, they, they were doing it to sell something to them, but we can sell you a program for about 10 million bucks that will knock off about 90% of the fraud because it's it will knock off the overseas fraud, it will knock mm -hmm. off the multiple address fraud, and blah, 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 blah. And, um, and it'll work. We can bolt it on to your terrible, terrible compact 64 computer you have. Mm -hmm. um, and they said no. Who said no? Um, well, do we, I don't know. Do you know if it went to, to Julie Sue? She was made very, I have been told that she was specifically personally made aware of the issue far before she cut off. Right. So, so it's, so it's all a lie, right? So they, yeah. they, they, uh, she didn't shut it down. It went on from, well, how long did it go on for? When, when do we know, really when did it go much. for the duration of the program or? No. Um, by, let's see, if you started in March, what you could do is let's say, you know, the first date was mid-March that you mm -hmm. could be, you could qualify back to. So if you applied for unemployment in June, mm -hmm. what you would do is certify, as they say, all the weeks back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. So you would get back. And you were allowed to do that until September. And it's in September and October that they started to pay attention. And I think it was in November when they first brought on uh, a security company um, who really didn't start working until January. So the big, giant, massive fraud was pretty much March, seven months, give or take, and they, and they knew within a few weeks. Amazing. And that fraud, because of that, the EDD still owes the federal government, the federal government. About, yep. about $18 billion. They're technically insolvent. They will keep borrowing it. Businesses in California are paying an extra tax to pay the debt down. And the state government under Gavin Newsom clearly, specifically, intentionally decided, unlike 48 other states, not to repay the debt and just let the tax take it over. Yeah, it's outrageous. It's actually, I'm so glad you reminded me about all of this with this brilliant article in California Globe because, um, first of all, there's new information here, which I hadn't um, come across before, uh, of this monumental scandal. That's great. And that just reminds us of this, this tax, small businesses and large, but small ones are the ones we kind of really think of when you have something like this. Paying this tax. We had Jay, uh, Congressman Jay Obernolte on ages, not ages, months ago, uh, to talk about that aspect of it. And it's just a scandal, a massive scandal. It's a total incompetence. It's completely avoidable. A massive self-inflicted wound, like so right. much else in California. Just outrageous. And no one's lost their job. No. Um, What'd she get promoted? She's getting promoted. Yes. <laughs> what no, to be the Labour Secretary? It, she, it, it's failing upward. It's an astonishing. I, I wrote another Amazing, piece on that call, entitled, You Would Think Losing $40 Billion Would Be a Blot on Your Resume. <laughs> But dot dot dot. But is she? Are you following her? What, what's the latest on her? Appointment? The latest is it, is it that stalled it's, or something? No, what's going it's on? stalled. But they don't care. The Biden administration has announced that they're going to keep her on no matter what, because uh -huh. they can avoid using what's called the Vacancies Act, uh -huh. which is 210 days. But in the Labor Department, there's a different statute that basically says, as long as he doesn't appoint or nominate someone else, she can keep the job forever even though she can't get through the Senate. 
So she's so just this gonna, is, again, this is outrageous too. So she's going to be there. And this is from the people who endlessly lecture us about the Constitution and norms yeah. and all this kind of stuff. I mean, just outrageous. Outrageous. It's, um... Oh, um, it's, it's like, you, I don't know, it's exhausting just keeping up with this. But we've got to because we've got to hold these people accountable. Thank you for doing this. Um, <laughs> can I just ask, the first time we've met, uh, Thomas, what are the other... What You know, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you work on, where people can follow you and so on. Looks like. Um, for a little background, I was mayor and city council member of the city of Lake Elsinore in Southern California. Lancaster. Um, Lake Elsinore. Oh, Lake Elsinore. Got it. Yes, yes. 70 miles north of San Diego, 70 miles south of Los Angeles. Oh, isn't there amazing flowers there? Well, you had amazing spring flowers this year. Uh, the poppies yes. are, um, are the huge draws when they yeah. come in. They're absolutely wonderful. And before that, I was in public relations, and I was a newspaper reporter when newspapers still were a thing, and reporters were still a thing. And um, right now, I'm writing for various sites, California Globe, Brownstone, Issues and Insights, uh, Real Clear Science, and I do have my own Substack, which is The Point, and uh, you can look that up on substack.com and search The Point. And that is kind the of The Point. Where, the Point. Got it. And okay. if you see the one with the little black dog back, you're at the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. Well, listen, thank you so much for doing this, and thank you for joining thank us today. We appreciate it. Let's stay in touch. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And our second great California Globe story for you today is from Adina Flores. Hey, Adina, great to see you. Um, this story caught my eye because it's something we don't talk about enough. It's actually a really kind of um, big issue. The, the cannabis industry and what's going on. And it all seems to be a complete mess. And you chronicled that so well. Tell us the story. Sure. So first off, thank you, Steve, for having me today. I'm excited to be with you all. And I am an investigative journalist at the California Globe. I've been focusing recently on the cannabis corruption within the state of California. It seems that the same campaign donors to Governor Newsom's uh, election campaigns mm -hmm. are also getting special privileges within the cannabis industry and essentially have a, a monopoly so how, how does that work? Just go into the details of what they get, you know, what, what they're paying and what they're getting, because the whole story of this cannabis thing was we're going to legalize this. It's going to be a great new industry. It's going to help um, people who've been historically victims of policy when it comes to cannabis, people who've been in jail, small, you know, black community owned businesses. That was the story. Right. And it's going to be safer and better and it's going to generate tax revenue. It's all going to be great. What's actually happened? Sure. So if we reflect back between around 2017 and 2018, an individual by the name of Mike Harden, who owns a consulting company that specializes in cannabis and hospitality mm -hmm. by the name of Big Rock, had donated to Governor Newsom's campaign in the amount of nearly $50,000. And currently, Big Rock houses some major names in their portfolio, including Canacraft, who is majorly represented within the Bay Area in California. And uh, other brands include those such as Plump Jack, which is actually Governor Newsom's brand. Yes. And so within the Big Rock portfolio, they have uh, essentially, you know, donated 
to the election and then been allowed to have their uh, their products passed at the state level and then to operate in a way that is not afforded to the typical farmer. And what what's what's what are the special uh, privileges that they got? Uh, so, for example, recently, I've actually had several individuals in the area bring this to my attention. While we were supposedly in a drought uh, over the past few years, there are photographs of water being siphoned out of our local hydrants in a Petaluma Creamery truck. And that water is then being transported up to the location of Sonoma Hill Farms. Sonoma Hill is uh, the dispensary that is also in part uh, owner by Mr. Hardin. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if we're in a drought, A, we can't be taking water out of our hydrants. That's completely illegal. And all of us were told, uh, you know, to turn off our water. So there seems to be some hiccups there. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. <laughs> and and um, just what what is the state of this industry? I mean, you've got this... has any of the prom have any of the promises that were made been fulfilled you know in terms of the thriving industry that was going to be you know well regulated and generate tax revenue and so on i mean i just see all these i mean your story was the first i've seen of this corruption which is you know sadly typical in in lots of areas but but also just that that you know what is going on with this industry is it delivering not at all, in my humble opinion, not at all. Uh, the products, as far as effectiveness, don't seem to meet uh, the regulation standards. And of course, mm-hmm. Governor Newsom's lobbyists are controlling the testing and then controlling compliance and everything in between. And uh, to reflect back on Mr. Hardin, he's actually um, the principal to, or the founder and partner to Artist Ventures, which is a venture capital company. And Mm -hmm. that was his project prior to Big Rock. And so in that situation, he actually was in trouble with the Securities Exchange Commission in -hmm. which he was not supposed to operate for some time. And then magically that notice vanished. And once again, he was in business and um, Artist is a big name. They were actually uh, early investor in YouTube, which went on to be bought by Google for $1.65 billion. Yeah, I mean, it's also, it, it seems exa- really shady um, what's going on here. Shady to say the least. Uh, they also, Big Rock Houses, within their portfolio, a company by the name of Garden Society that is very mm-hmm. tied to Sonoma County. And the founder of that company is Miss Erin Gore. She is the sister-in-law to Sonoma County Supervisor James Gore. And uh, there's so many moving parts and people, but essentially James Gore, uh, his wife, Elizabeth Gore, she is the former vice president of global partnerships to the United Nations Foundation. She co-founded the California Partners Project with Governor Newsom's wife. And so they're all working hand in hand and seem to get their products approved and their dispensaries approved to open because of their ties to local government or state government. Amazing. How did you get get all this information? 
Long story short, I am actually the former executive assistant to the board and superintendent for Santa Rosa City Schools, mm-hmm. and I was legal, illegally forced out as a protected whistleblower. So I started speaking up because my school trustees actually serve uh, within the capacity of the county as well for their day jobs. And so mm-hmm. I started to do an audit of the county's financials, and I became the go-to person for every sector of corruption, therefore or I've had the farmers reach out to me, teachers reach out to me, and everyone from there. Wait, so just in in that in Sonoma County or Santa Rosa? I mean, where where, where have you really been doing your digging? Primarily within Sonoma County, I'm now a resident of uh, Solano County. My fiance is a native to Vallejo, California. So we're uh, focusing on our efforts there currently, but um, I've connected with individuals across the state with a heavy focus in Sonoma County. It's so great. So basically you've become an an investigative journalist. That's That's your career now. Yes, I, I mean, career once I can make make a living off of it. But in the meantime, uh, definitely, <laughs> <laughs> definitely a community activist. And uh, my primary focus, uh, because I have so many different projects, is I've been looking at our uh, statements of economic interest. Every local body and uh, designated filer at the state level must disclose their income, their investments and what have you. And so Mm -hmm. I've been analyzing the contracts going to the cities, counties and state for approval and seeing where the conflicts of interest lie and then therefore reporting those to the Fair Political Practices Commission. And I currently have a few cases open, uh, primarily tied to cannabis. That is incredibly interesting. And and do you so you're doing this digging, and oh, by the way, just as sort of people who are not familiar with this, so the statement of economic interest, that's for every elected official or a certain level of government, or how, just remind us what you said there. Sure. So for every elected official and then every uh, government agency must establish a conflict of interest code in which they outline their designated filers. So certain high level positions must disclose disclose their assets. And this does become an issue because, for example, with my school board, one of our trustees uh, was approving contracts that for a nonprofit in which she was paying herself. And so as much as we'd love to pay you know, ourselves with uh, the public's tax dollars, that is a huge conflict. Of course it is. So you, when you say trustee, you mean a school board member? Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and in these statements of economic interests, um, so I understand every elected official, that's kind of clear. What about uh, when you say government agencies, presumably that's not every employee, is that the, 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 the senior management? How does that, because these are bureaucrats and they're appointed, right? So how... Um, how does that operate? Do, do the, just the CEOs of these agencies have to do it or, or what? So anyone that plays a key role in government decision making and those positions are outlined in the conflict of interest code per the mm-hmm. California Public Records Act. You can mm-hmm. request this information from any agency for a copy of the conflict of interest code. It mm-hmm. will itemize who's required to follow to, to file. And for example, in Sonoma County, once I started digging, it was apparent that, oh, my gosh, over half 
of the required filers did not file for several years at all. Mm -hmm. There was an article published about this matter. And of course, the media refuses, had my name all over the publication, but refuses to interview me because they're Newsom's lobbyist. <laughs> it's incredibly interesting. I mean, I'm so glad we, we, we're speaking because this is a huge area um, that I've just been obsessed with for years, right? Back in the day, and, and what your your story is actually there's something very deep and important about it that is revealing, right? So we, um, back in the day, years ago, when I worked in the UK government, I had a whole thing about transparency, right? If you publish the data about everything from contracts to, to um, you know, employees and, you know, all the kinds of things you're talking about, right? As well as government spending and who it went to and etc. If you publish all the information in a transparent manner, then we, we had this phrase that we use, which is like, well, all you have to do is publish the information and then, you, and then, you know, the society will do the work because you'll have this what we called armchair auditors, just as a nice phrase. You know, people, citizens would go through all this stuff and keep an eye on, you know, making sure that propriety was observed and ethics and so on and corruption was rooted out. Of course, that's just rubbish. It's not true because most people don't have time or the inclination to plow through all this or to find it. Plus, these government agencies usually made it in make it incredibly difficult. The websites are clunky and terrible. You can't get the data, you know. So this is an area I've spent a lot of time on. And what you're doing is actually what needs to happen. But it's real work. It's journalistic work. It's investigative work. You know, a citizen just can't. But you're 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 saying you're doing it. Uh, you're trying to get paid for reporting it, and I guess in some cases you are. But so, where are you putting all that? What's your what's your vision of where you where all this goes? Sure. So that, thank you for that question, and I'm very excited because it's actually now confirmed that. I was illegally forced out of my position and we are in settlement negotiations with my former mm -hmm. employer, the San Rosa mm -hmm. City Schools District. So my goal is I'm somebody who I truly want to give back to my community. I am a public servant and that's what I do. And so I'm working on establishing my own 501c4 to teach individuals how to get involved in government and exactly what we're discussing right now so that people can take things into their own hands and learn how to audit their public agencies because it's extremely important. So what what's what is out there at the moment that you've looked at? Like I, I'm just trying to recall, you know, people or organizations that do something like this. Um, but not in as detailed and thorough as a way as you clearly are. For example, there's I think is it called Open the Books? Have you come yes. across them? What what tell us about them and how it may be similar or different to what you're doing? So open the books, they essentially are a whistleblower uh, reporting as well. And they dig into much of what I'm referencing and a great, uh, I actually just published an article in the globe about tools that are available for the public. Uh, we all uh, look through the IRS tax exempt database. The charitable sector is where a lot of money goes missing because uh, it is tax exempt. It's a great way to house large sums of money. And uh, a lot of the time there's there are umbrella organizations. And then from there, it's a black hole as to where the money goes. So uh, every nonprofit essentially must file certain forms such as a 990 with the IRS. So their tax exempt organization search is a wonderful tool to be able to view their financials, their elected or appointed officers and what have you. 
and uh, other databases I refer to and Open the Books uh, refers to as well are the Secretary of State's business search to verify that companies are actually legally existent. That's what I come across quite frequently, uh, that a nonprofit doesn't exist at all, yet they've received government funding. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And you've done that. So at the county level, you've established that or statewide? Yes, it's it's a bit ridiculous. I believe the NAACP is a great example of a charity to refer to. They actually hold uh, in one of their legal defense funds around thirty six million dollars in assets. And you can actually buy stock in uh, that fund. And so when we talk about something being charitable, if you can buy stock, non uh, nonprofits are being provided direction by the corporations that are funding them. And that is a tremendous conflict of interest because at that point in time, it is not about the people being represented. It's about corporate profit. It's amazing. I mean, it's just, it's staggering actually, because there's so much. And and what the reason this people get away with this is because there aren't enough people like you who actually take the time to dig into this stuff. And who's got the time? Who's got the energy? It's really important. Can, can I go back to, so is Open the Books an organization? Is it a California-based organization or a national one? I, I've, I've got a sense we've talked to them before. Are they national? You know, I haven't spoken too frequently to Open the Books. I'd have to do some further digging before I speak to it. Uh, but I would definitely recommend their resources. I've referred to them myself as well. Yeah. I don't, I don't. I mean, it doesn't sound to me like they get into the granular local level like the way you are, because that's incredibly hard work. Um, what are you? So, what what are your plans for this? Um, what are you going to be? You know, what can we expect from you in the future? So, I've had quite a few citizens of the public ask me if I can become an attorney. <laughs> so, <laughs> if I get this settlement, I would like to. I, I would love to be able to be able to represent individuals that have come to me for help because I give all the guidance I can, but unless I pass the bar, I'm a bit limited in what I'm able to do. And in terms of this kind of transparency work and investigative reporting, are you going to keep that up? Absolutely. I, I uh, As you said, nobody has the time. My fiance is a bit overwhelmed because quite a bit of my free time goes to these endeavors. But we did just get a brand new puppy. So that's been <laughs> a, a relief for, for at least a brief moment. <laughs> Very good. And and oh, and California, where can people follow your work and what, you, what you're doing? Sure. So I am on Instagram, uh, civil underscore rights 707. And also on Twitter, same handle, that's civil underscore rights 707. Fantastic. I'm so pleased to have met you. Um, uh, and I really, really appreciate what you're doing. It's incredibly important. I mean, this is, you know, we talk about, you know, holding government accountable, all this language, you know, people are holding government accountable and citizens, you know, whatever. But this is what it's really about. It's actually, this is the work that's needed. Yes, absolutely. And I know I'm not alone in these efforts. I've had the blessing of connecting with several people across the board who just want to bring transparency to government. I connected with 
an individual by the name of Dr. Mike Liddell recently, and he is pushing to bring transparency to the people. And he just actually submitted an initiative to the state of California to propose uh, digital recall petitions. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not sure how that will go if or when it's approved, but I'm glad that the people are taking matters into their own hands. Fantastic. Well, listen, Atina, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for your work and thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, Steve. I appreciate you and I'm glad I had this opportunity. All right. Hope you enjoyed the show. For more great conversations like that, make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. Tell your friends all about the show. Join the movement. Go to goldentogether.com and help us save California. And we'll see you back here soon for the next episode of The Steve Hilton Show.